inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. And we're two siblings who happen to be blind. Outlook. Radio Western. As long as the mind is enslaved, the body can never be free. As long as people feel ashamed of who they are, they will never realize the true equality and freedom they desire and can achieve. Take pride in yourself. Dr. Martin Luther King. Whoa, what was that? That was my proclamation bell. Just, uh ringing in his his pronouncement there which i thought was pretty pretty telling for today's episode and for what we're going to talk about on outlook today yes welcome back we are here in mid-july well i guess uh nearing the end of july it's the it's the 18th now right Is that? yeah we're getting yeah, through it so getting through the summer here somehow it's well people don't like when you point that out because they're like no summer don't yeah. rush it <laughs> well i feel the same way but there's still you know oh yeah still got a bunch of time so Plenty of time left. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're here live in studio today for Outlook. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you're not out enjoying, I think it's a bit rainy around here, kind of gloomy, but uh, maybe depending on where you're, where you are. Yeah, here in London, Ontario, from the from the Western uh, University, and this this area has been a little bit sprinkly, but kind of refreshing, kind of windy out, and uh, both coming in from Woodstock this morning. I was back for the weekend. Uh, Having some 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 rocking rocking with a good friend of mine uh, back visiting f- from from England. Actually, had some some scary health issues in the family. Luckily, things are going okay now with that. But uh, he's here now, so it was nice. The last three days got some serious jamming in your in your basement, working on some songs, and always a always a fun time. I haven't you know practiced as much over the past few years with COVID and everything, so it's nice to get out. And it's just it's a it's always an interesting form of communication through music because you're not speaking all the time when you're playing. Obviously. It, we're an instrumental project, so it's there's no there's no vocals, but it's just the the energy and the and the feeling you get from from playing music is always a positive thing in the in the world. And so yeah, it's been a it's been a nice weekend. So I, thanks, Carrie, for allowing us to uh, me and my two friends to jam in your in your basement there. Yeah, I actually I invite it, and uh, again, I like to listen. To you guys work through your your songs and your parts that you comp with together, and you're collaborating because it's. It's a, a form of creativity that I think really contributes to the world. And music's not always appreciated enough. I feel it's undervalued. It's sort of, you know, lessened. More and more, especially with, and again, I'm not the type that's against, you know, streaming in a lot of ways because it does have its benefits and it gets promotion and gets things out there, but it's... <laughs> like that Kate Bush weird song we were hearing on the way that's <laughs> yeah. on Stranger Things right now. Right. Like, a bunch of young kids are discovering Kate Bush. Well, that's my point is the whole thing that like... <laughs> I was saying earlier, if you get your show on a, or if you get your song on a show or a, a commercial or something, that's how you can really make it now. But mm-hmm. to actually, you know, actually get out there and it's just sometimes it can be a lost art and you can be sort of, you know, oh, it's just a hobby. It's just that and that and this and that when really it is a skill that, you know, most majority of people don't have necessarily. So it's one of these things we, we do really need to value in society. And I think maybe we have, maybe that we've sort of amped that up a little bit with shows and stuff since the COVID lockdowns, more people are a little bit more eager to get out now. And I mean, there are a lot of festivals here in London. We had the, 
I wasn't in town this, this year, but their home county festival just happened here and last weekend Sunfest. So music is still very common in community and culture, but it still, I find, is maybe a little bit overlooked mm-hmm. sometimes. But perhaps we should move on from music and get back to the show at hand here with uh, that quote that we started things out with from Dr. Martin Luther King. And uh, followed up with a cowbell, so... Yeah, well, I just wanted to ring in that statement of his. Uh, you know, it may be... We're going to talk today about Disability Pride. It's Disability Pride Month in the month of July here. And uh, it it brings in all the other intersectionalities we talk about. And, but, of course, you know, June being, you know, Pride Month for LGBTQ um, people. And, you know sort of taking it from that some people feel like you should get in your own kind of thing but it's pride is the word right that we're talking about today and no nobody has uh, sort of has ownership of that word but uh we're talking about um that today and we'll have some quotes to share from a a bunch of people i sort of asked for their thoughts and and of course i didn't ask martin luther king jr's thoughts that was out there before i was alive but i thought it worked to start the show but yeah um, yeah. i mean it's a new thing you know i guess we're because last week i started with the quote too before we had (laughs) h may on our on our last episode which if you missed that one you might want to look it up i will look on radio western you can search us up online and wherever you get your podcasts you can find uh, previous episodes there and yeah well i was gonna say that so she, so we had Heather on, and they were talking about their their short film called Awaiting Tiresias, and it's about disability and the the sort of the spectrum or the continuum that blindness exists on, and also that uh, gender exists on. And for 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 H last week, you know that was the, both of those things uh, applied, and also in that short film they f- featured a, a woman, a person named Hannah who I guess was a slave and uh, enslaved in, in um, the U.S. there in 18, 18, uh, 1860s or whatever. And uh, just talking about how, what it, might have been, what it must have been like for any, anyone enslaved, any enslaved person who also had disabilities, and I'm sure a lot of them did, and you don't really hear stories like that. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, all these intersectionalities and all these diversity ties together, it's all... Um, yeah, and it's one of these things that it's easier said than done sometimes to totally be yourself and take pride in yourself because, and we'll get into this obviously throughout the show in a lot of detail, but it's it's the thing in, in reality, like in, in, in theory, that's a great idea, but it's hard in reality to actually do that sometimes because you do feel, you know, like you're, you're bringing attention to things or you're, I don't know, like it's hard sometimes to totally be ourselves and totally stand up for things and, and it's, it's, not, it's not always easy, but, you know, we, we do need to be proud of, of who we are and, and uh, what we can achieve, and yeah, I mean, I think I think the opposite of pride in a lot of instances is shame, and there's a lot of shame around disability and people, you know, newly becoming disabled, uh, acquired disabilities, or even you know, like we talk a lot about you, Brian, how you were born with just light perception, and your vision has never, you know, changed. It's never, you know, continued to get less and less for you so for you you're a little more used to things whereas me my vision has just sort of decreased over the years so there's still things I deal with and I'm sure you do as well but uh, yeah there's things that different people deal with and one of those things is shame and uh, so that's what we're talking about today about you know I I was curious about what people thought other people with disabilities if they agree that there should be disability pride month and if they feel pride in having a disability or if they kind of think that's nothing to really Maybe not to feel shame about, but not to like 
tote the yeah, benefits a, of, or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So we have definitely some quotes coming up, and and uh, we have some other discussion around this um, Disability Pride Month here in July of 2022. But I think we should maybe a quick explain to our listeners what what was the deal with the bell there at the before yeah. we do get into this this wider discussion. You still have the bell over there, right? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Remind our listeners. Of. I wondered if it would, Brian said it might distort if I put no, it No, it's sounding good right now. It's just, if you put it right on it, but I don't, it'd probably be fine. Yeah. So these are little, good cow, compressors little cowbells we were sent in the mail uh, last week that they say AT Banter Podcast on them. And they're cute little, like, I, I remember growing up at home, we had a pretty big one and it was like this big metal thing. And yeah, I didn't ex- know what to expect. So It was like almost <laughs> iron. It was. <laughs> Right, so AT Banter Podcast. It's it's from out out west in BC, and we actually had the whole the whole crew on from from that show. I think that was early May, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few couple months ago now, and after we had them on Outlook, it was so much fun on a Monday morning. Felt kind of like a party with mm-hmm. having because you know sometimes we have one or two people, but having four on and they already do a show, so they're all used to. Yeah, I mean we've had panels occasionally, or we've tried to set up panels of four or so people, and if they're all coming from different places and from different whatever's you know then it's the dynamic harder can to, be a little bit to organize and yeah but when they're already a show and so they already work together then it was just fun yeah so we talked about all sorts of stuff when they were on and then after they came on our show they invited us on theirs so it's nice to get the cross promotion going on and so uh i don't know what that was a couple of weeks ago trying to keep track of time but it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter anyway recently we uh, recorded they they don't theirs isn't live um so they do a which you know a lot of prod- podcasts are Most like that. Aren't, yeah. yeah, so they they record it and then they upload it as a podcast uh, a week later. So they had us on, and it was in the evening that we we did the interview over over Zoom for their for their show, and uh, it was just released. Uh, I guess not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before. So if you go to atbanter.com or you can also find it on any podcast network, just search for at banter. You can find our episode in their feed, and I still didn't quite know what their did we? Uh, we must have asked them what their, why they liked the cowbell. Do you remember? Mm. <laughs> anyway, it's a the theme of their podcast, and yeah, they, it's just part of their their whole vibe. Yeah, uh, they're fun. They're a fun group of people, and they they refer to us as their sister show, yeah. show in Canada. And I think that is neat to have to make these connections. And they started before us, actually. So I, I look at them as uh, definitely an inspiration, and didn't know about them until more recently. But I didn't know about them when we started Outlook. But it's. Uh, Nice to see that there was a show going on even before us. And AT, if you want to know what the AT stands for, it's it's the company that one at, of the at least one of them. Yeah, I think two of them actually. I think two out of four, maybe. Uh, you know, assistive technology. Is it yeah, called? that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so that's a nice combination. Like a few of them are blind, and a few are not. Right. Or yeah, I think that's how it works. So it's just one of those ones where you get multiple viewpoints on things and that's what makes the show a show good. That's what, you know, Brian and I try to do here. We're both blind, of course, but we both, as we always say, have different amounts of blindness and different disabilities on top of that. Plus, you know, we're siblings, three years apart, uh, but also, you know, me being uh, female and Brian being a male, you know, we get different takes on things. And uh, so that's what makes the show interesting, I think. Yeah, so... It was. It was a great time being on their show, and uh, so at the end they said they asked for our address and mentioned something about a cowbell. And at first I was kind of just, I don't, I think I like it was an awkward silence. Well, I, I thought like, they were joking. Yeah, I didn't quite know, but no, I guess they 
they uh, kindly send all of their all of their guests a free uh, cowbell. And since there were two of us, they sent us each one. Well, you know, and, like uh, Outlook doesn't have merchandise, like any merch, like t-shirts or coffee. Yeah, bombs, I'm so. not the type that's <laughs> super big on, on no. that type of thing. But someday we thought about having a shirt or something, uh, something we might look into eventually or, you know. We want to find a really cool design. Maybe. If anyone's listening and wants to wants to work together, you know, hit us up. Outlook on RadioWestern at gmail.com. But, uh. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Always great to be on other shows. Shoutouts to AT Banter Podcast. Look them up, atbanter.com. Thanks yeah. for the cowbell. Thanks cowbells. for the cowbells. But we just, uh, we like to be on different shows because then you're sharing ideas and you're making connections. No, for sure. And we got more stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks on Outlook, but uh, I think we just wanted to sum up a few of our recent guests and, and appearances and things. Uh, it's all related anyway, so... For sure. So, back to the theme of today's show, Disability Pride Month. Again, I don't know how many people are aware of it. I, 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 we say all the time, we sort of laugh off the the amount of days, weeks, months. Well, I'm just couldn't even remember. Things. We must have talked about this last July, right? Uh, <laughs> or was it not? I, I can't even remember. I didn't but. do an exhaustive search from our last summer's episode. Yeah. It's just one of these things that these days keep coming up every year and they still don't. Maybe some of them are starting to set in for me, and I think the more I do this show and I'm, I'm reminded of them, but I can't quite think offhand like what day is when for a lot of them because there's just there are so many. But mm-hmm. I still think it is good because it does bring that reminder at that time, and and it also gives us a, a, a theme to focus on for for Outlook when we're back, as we are this week with a mixed bag episode. We call them when we don't have any guests; it's just us hanging out. But this one's a little bit more themed. Sometimes the mixed bags are kind of, you know. Like it has been so far this morning where we're covering lots of things, but this is definitely the focus on disability pride and, and just how people feel about it all. And, and, uh, Carrie, you, you had a great idea to put up, put up a, a little Facebook post there requesting people's thoughts on, on pride. And we'll be sharing some of those throughout today's episode. Yeah. I just found a bunch also plus, yeah, like plus I found a bunch of, from just people when I was on social media and different blogs and websites. But, uh, yeah, we got quite a few spread out through the episode here. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to do Yeah, the it's coming next it's quarter one? after, so I think I'll yeah. come in with the next one here. So, here's another quote. There is a tremendous need to create a counterculture that teaches new values and beliefs and acknowledges the dignity and worth of all human beings. Disability pride is a direct response to this need. And that's a quote from Sarah Triano, National Disabled Students Union. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, we're trying to explain why there was a need for disability pride, not even necessarily the month, but I'll explain in a minute here why it's in July and why it's the month, the whole month, but why why disability pride is a, is a movement that's sort of followed, um, slowly coming up behind a bunch of other pride movements and, and social justice movements, uh, you know, like, you know, the civil rights movement and gay rights. And, yeah, and we had um, we had H. May on last week talking about rights. talking about their theater and their um, their short film that they they did recently produced, mm-hmm. um, and you know in in their case they are you know they don't identify as male or female. So that's another one that we want to have more people on that do have a different identities because it's you know I don't know that many people who identify you know as transgender or non-binary or whatever it may be in in that case and and yeah it, and it's easy to occasionally you know you might slip up if you, if you're not used <laughs> as to it. I and, did and. And, you know, people do respect that as long as you're not doing it, you know, in a negative way and you, you, you make an effort and it's just, it's natural that we're not, 
but it has being it is being talked about more and more in in the news and in the media, which is great to see because it it really just takes like anything. If you're not comfortable with something and it's new, it's like anyone who doesn't know anyone who's blind and and then they meet someone, it's it can be awkward and it's it's because we're just when you're not used to something it but that's not a reason to, you know, feel like you need to get like I don't know. It's a, it it can be difficult for people, but I think it's so important to really try and see things from other people's point of view and be empathetic and and not judge or tell someone else kind of how to how to be cuz how to live yeah, I, I mean, as I as I said, if you listen back to the H episode, H's episode, I do. Have, there's one slip in there, I believe, and so you know that's just natural. We didn't grow up knowing about you know non-binary people, and and it's not that it wasn't happening. It's just nobody talked about it because it, nobody felt safe to talk about it, and they didn't understand what was maybe going on, and it didn't have a name or something. So it's natural, and we always try to point out here on Outlook that as blind people, we don't expect the world to understand automatically what blind people need and that's why it's important to communicate with each other and ask people what they what they might need or want instead of just assuming for them or just going ahead and grabbing And that's them. why we always you know maybe sometimes, sometimes people do feel intimidated and I'm the same way yeah. sometimes to ask someone a question that I'm not yep. but at the same point that's why we do this show and if everyone if anyone's ever listening and they ever have any questions or something that we don't mention that they're really curious about or wondering about blindness or you know you can always feel free to email us and ask a question outlook on radio western at gmail because it is the dialogue is so important in the communication and it it does get exhausting we can't always be be doing this but at the same point you got to just do it as much as you can you got to advocate and, and and educate because in, in all disabilities in all areas and disability pride is one way to kind of really stand up and, and like you say more and more minorities are coming coming out more recently and are getting more coverage so I think it is time, and it's. I think it's going to ha- start happening more and more. This, you know, disability talk in the mainstream, and it's and people who are used to the way things always were and are not good at progress, they're going to sort of fight it or or put up a put up a bit of a stink about things. If if, if anything that makes them uncomfortable, anything, and, we, and you understand that, but you have to realize that that people deserve dignity. So we're all trying to you know find that. Find and I look ourselves. at it like so many things in life. Like if you don't, if if you just want to keep sticking with the way things used to be or the way things were everything else is just going to move on it's I guess like, give up on the telephone then because we're sticking yeah it's like so many you know so many people might say that as you get older and it can happen I'm sure it'll happen to me too like mm-hmm. when you get older and you say like oh kids like I don't know what people are into now days and all these things but at the same point that's there's no reason to sort of reject that or think that it's wrong it's like that's part of progress and change and and being able to stay open minded and grow and it, I know it can be hard nobody loves change I don't think well, I think the next quote you're going to do, once I sort of give a bit of background on, on how this, this month came to be, yeah. the next quote you have there should be from a guest we've had on before, uh, Leona Godin, who has a book out, There Plant Eyes, A Personal and Cultural History of Blindness. Uh, and she grew up the generation before me. And so she has a quote from her New York Times article recently. But first I thought I would just give a bit of background on how this month happened and of course yes, like please do like many things it started in the u.s now we don't get into this tons on the show Come on canada it's not about it it's just that i i have trouble calling them the u.s right now i just i refer to them as the states i just wish i wish like i guess there's a lot there is a lot in canada it's, again it's i know that's what i'm gonna get to here any country that has more yeah. people you're gonna have these things sort of come through a bit more but mm-hmm. well disability rights and progress has been much more progressed right we've talked about this this 
this um, Being Human documentary a while back on the show. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge movement in the 70s, right, in in the U.S. that they cover um, where there was really a major protests and stuff like that. And Yeah, there was like a, they took, a bunch of disabled people took over some, a building in California somewhere. Uh, a lot of disability pride is, movement has started in, you know, San Francisco and around that area. Uh, but so big things happened in the 70s in the U.S. too, but it, And it's also the fact that, you know, of course there's been protests in Canada, but overall we're not mm. maybe quite as, you know, standing up as much as, as they do with sort of, I guess the word sometimes is militant, which I don't love that word per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it is this, it's a very, speaking of pride, yeah, it's this very proud sort of uh, mm-hmm. thing where I think sometimes in Canada we're a little more reserved. We're a little less sort of in your face. We kind of really try to just blend in, which is okay sometimes, but sometimes you really do have to speak up and, and mm-hmm. yeah. make yourself heard or else things don't change. So, But yeah, I mean, so it began on, on March 12th, 1990, and so over 1,000 people marched from the White House to the U.S. Capitol, which we've all heard a lot about in <laughs> last year, the Capitol, to expand that, uh, to demand that uh, Congress pass the Americans with Disabilities Act. So after the 70s and the progress in that decade, it wasn't until 1990 that they started demanding more again. And upon um, arrival, about 60 activists, including eight-year-old Jennifer Keelan Chaffins physically demonstrated the inaccessibility of public spaces by getting out of their wheelchairs or setting aside their mobility aids and uh, crawling up the Capitol steps in an act of civil disobedience uh, letter be- that later became known as the Capitol Crawl. I don't know. How- were you familiar with the Capitol Crawl when I say it like that, Brian? Mm, it sounds like vaguely familiar, but not... not uh Overly, no. Mm-hmm. It's because they were all just heaving themselves up the steps, you know, even if they struggled. Right, yeah, it was they a bit needed, of a, it they be needed, a struggle, but to they, show. Yeah, to show they, to show people. And that's something, you know, I always wonder, would I have the, the guts to do something like that? And again, you say people could call that militant, but how else are you going to get people to sit up and pay attention? And apparently 104 activists that day were arrested uh, for unlawful demonstra- demonstrating, many of whom were in wheelchairs. And then, it, so then that was March of 1990, and then it wasn't until July 26th, 1990, that President George H.W. Bush, you know, father of George W., signed the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, into law. So that's why eight, every July in the U.S. they celebrate. Uh, and uh, Disability Pride Month is the result of that. And uh, Canada uh, is one of the countries who's starting to take that on, uh, but not really. Like I read a list of other countries who sort of got, got on, on board with this since then, and Canada wasn't, didn't make the top of the list. And that's, So when was the Accessible Canada Act? That was... I, I think 2019. Oh, that recent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just passed before the pandemic. Right. You know, and that's federal. And then, of course, Ontario has the AODA. And, uh, <laughs> but that's never, it's not enforced enough. It's Yeah, a lot of the things, as I mentioned when I was talking about elections a few weeks ago, that the AODA here in Ontario... I was going to pronounce say what the acronym is, but I'm probably going to screw it up. Um, but anyway, they, they the AODA on their website talked about elections, but there was it was more like it's not required for provincial and and um, 
municipal elections to be accessible, but it's recommended. Like it's just, <laughs> how is this? How's this really gonna affect if it's there's like it's something. It's a start, right? But but it's like, yeah. How are you gonna just recommend this? This, this should be a requirement. This should be a a law. But anyway, it's just goes to show that these acts and these things do come into place. But it sometimes takes a while, and like you say, Canada sometimes seems a little bit late to the to yeah. the party, if you will, on some of these things. But uh, So I don't know if you want to go on and read Leona's quote now. Uh, she was recently in the uh, opinion section of the New York Times with an article about a recent dinner she had with two other d- disabled sort of activists, but also authors and friends of hers. Yeah, I'm going to read that in a sec. I just wanted to, I, just, I did look it up here just just because I think it's important we, we do remember. Oh, so you're it, fast. Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. Yeah, why do they make it such a mouthful? I know, right? <laughs> How come it can't just be the accessibility... For Ontario Act or something. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Accessibility for Ontarians. Ontarians. That's such a weird word, too. Yeah, Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. Um, it says 2005 here, but I don't know what I'm, yeah, I'm reading. Yeah, that's, that's when that one came into being. That's, that's Oh, right, the Ontario one. We're talking about the Accessible Canada Act. Yes. More recent one. See how, see how many things there are and how confusing it can well, it, get. But. It all feels very political, and Brian and I grew up not being very political, so it's it's new to us. But then you realize as you're an adult, and you you realize more and more about the world that, especially when you're you know a marginalized community, everything's kind of political, and we should all kind of realize that because the reason why we're sort of in this state, I think, with democracy in these times, is that we've all kind of gotten complacent, and we think we don't have to do any work to contribute to this healthy society we want to live in. And so we all kind of sit back and wait for other people to do things. And it's because it's not always easy. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is tough to, to always be the one to be speaking out and, and doing things. And it's easy to kind of just be like, oh, somebody else will. But we all have to, I think, play our part, even if we don't have a disability. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, we all get busy with our lives. There's only so much, but any little bit helps, right? Any mention of it, anytime you see something that's not accessible, even if you don't have a disability and there's a place that doesn't have a wheelchair access or something, you know, maybe just quick mention it to someone. Say, mm-hmm. you know, I know somebody who's in a wheelchair or just even in general, if you don't, just say, I notice you don't have a ramp. What do, do you, you do for, just ask them a question. And just say that, you know, people with disabilities buy things and shop and, and will will come to your business and, and you know, help, help well, keep it, you afloat. It if makes you, me think of when the pandemic started, when they were Originally, they were kind of saying, which is maybe in a way kind of where we're at now, where eventually you do have to get back out. But originally it was like, some people were like, oh, how come the people that are at high risk can't just stay home and everyone else can go free? But it's because society doesn't, that's not society. That's that's not including people. That's excluding a group of people. The point is to all be together and working together and all have equal opportunities. And there's a, there's a large population that has a disability out there. And by excluding them, you're missing out on a lot of perspective and a lot of... Business? You know, yeah, business, if you want to go to that level I mean there's so much you miss out on by not having that we try to appeal to people's sense of responsibility and and things but also sometimes you just got to appeal to what how it might you know benefit them (laughs) all right so I figured I'd read this uh, guest essay opinion uh, piece by M. Leona Godin and then we can we can run that out to break I would say sure play that and then and then hit the break So M. Leona Godin speaks here and says, Even though I grew up in San Francisco, a key city in the birth of the disability rights movement, detailed recently in the activist Judy Human's memoir, Being a Human, and in the Netflix documentary Crip Camp, I knew nothing then of disability as a cultural phenomenon or a source of pride. 
I was 18 when the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990 was passed. A major achievement that solidified many of our rights and raised awareness of us throughout the country. Haben and Caitlin, those are two uh, friends friends of hers, though they have obviously both experienced ableism, have never known a pre-ADA world. They've come out They've come of age with disability pride alongside other pride movements. Although my sense of what is ableist is sometimes shaky, I've thought long and hard about its effects on blind people. The word blind, for instance, is almost always used negatively outside its main literal function to describe the condition of blindness. A quick Google News search of some common phrases will illustrate what I mean. Blind spot, blind faith, blind rage, blind drunk, all suggest ignorance or a loss of reason. This makes it hard to muster any kind of blind pride. Outlook. On Radio Western. Welcome back. You're listening to Outlook today on a Monday morning or as a podcast, Outlook on Radio Western. We are talking today about July being Disability Pride Month, and we were talking before the break about where it originated in the States, as many movements do, and it's because that's the month that the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act was finally passed in 1990, in July. Uh, but uh, since then, over the last 30 or more years, it's caught on in other countries, in England, in uh, New Zealand, in Germany, in South Korea, and in Canada, even though we're kind of lagging behind. Uh, so there's a, an article in a, in a magazine, an online thing I'd never seen before called thepeak.ca where somebody is, is advocating that Canada needs to get in, on board with this uh, because disability pride, as we were talking about before the break, is a response and it's a counteraction against ableism and social stigma. And that's something that Brian and I do deal with. A lot of it's microaggressions, very tiny things that most people don't intend uh, and we do it too, and ableism exists internally for people with disabilities, as we're going to talk about here in the second half, that, you know, even I have shame, and it's hard to feel proud of who I am sometimes when, you know, systemic barriers and social, and, you know, society kind of makes you, you know, makes it harder for you to, to find inclusion like everyone else and feel acceptance, and then you, you know, you don't feel like you belong anywhere, and it's... It's a systemic thing, so it's not one organization or one place that's doing that. But uh, Well, I want to go back briefly just to Leona's quote there that I read in before the break. Mm-hmm. And just going back to that to the word in general, the word blind, and how, how she points out in, ha- in here how, aside from its literal meaning of actually being someone who is blind, all of its other meanings seem to have a, these negative mm-hmm. connotations and are used for negative things. And, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, I'm not, that's, words mean different things. That's not how I, you know, when I say blind in those ways, I don't think about blind people, but deep down, like it is a word that when you, you know, it's, it's easy to say that, oh, you don't, but when something's so ingrained and it's just a word that people hear, then it does have some effect, I believe. And I think, you know, somebody out there might be thinking, oh, people are too sensitive with language and stuff. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's not about always being extreme, always, you know, getting angry if somebody uses these terms because they are so ingrained in our language. I'm not faulting it. It's more just to be aware and just think twice about it a little bit more when you um, use these. And, you know, this is even more direct, but like if someone, I've heard occasionally someone saying to someone like, what are you blind when they can't find something? 
And that there feels, that's almost more direct at that's very harsh. blindness and, and stuff like that. And I get it. You know, people are just, so many people don't know anyone who's blind. And if you don't have that personal connection, that's what always makes the change in life, right? When you have a personal connection to something, you 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 forget your biases, hopefully, in a lot of cases, not always. Well, you always. care more and you pay attention. Yeah, when it actually affects you. But when it's just totally out of your world, it's hard sometimes to really have that that feeling about it. But really... It's, uh, well, I got one quick example, which is that the January 6th hearings in, in, the, in the states there, last week they had their seventh hearing, and the, the woman running it there, Dick Cheney's daughter, I guess, she said something about willful ignorance, you know, Trump being a grown man and, and people who around him who helped him, you know, willful ignorance or willful blindness. And it's just like, please don't associate me it's with just- him, <laughs> that man and his, his ignorance, because, uh, you know, it's not... It doesn't have to be related. It's just how we've always said it and done it. And it does just sort of, I just don't see how it can't, how it doesn't connect in some way because unless you do have connections, and again, not everyone who, even even if you somebody doesn't know someone who's blind, some people are just very, you know, open-minded and, and are aware of things and wouldn't think like that. So it's definitely a, mm-hmm. it's not that simple, but it still overall ties into it because, you know, a lot of people probably think how when you're blind, how could you do anything? So pro- you probably are maybe, you know, not able to do so many things and you probably are kind of out of reality because you can't see. And it's just, again, it's just all of these stereotypes that we're really trying to change well, here on that. That's why it's hard sometimes to feel, to not feel shame and uh, to look at it like a month like this that we should feel proud and there should be pride in this and to help move the, help, you know, get, shuffle the movement along. Um, do you want to read another quote from somebody there? That- yeah, I think we should read a quote now, or I'll read this quote now from Joanne Beckford, who is actually a, a former Outlook guest. She was on, I think, last summer in 2021. And um, Joanne actually is from Manitoba here in Canada, and she responded to your Facebook post requesting opinions on blind pride. And Joanne says, I try to put into words how I feel can feel it will be the sorry I'll, I'll try that again if I try to put into words how I feel it will be the longest post ever lol I can tell you though one thing I always remember when I began the journey of vision loss was the words that my dad told me I was discussing with him how much life was going to be different and what a struggle it would be my dad didn't sugarcoat he said it will be hard it will be difficult but I would rather you try and fail than fail to try Live by that motto every day when I approach a new or difficult task. Mm-hmm. I'm human. I still get self-conscious as I'm learning to navigate and I still get anxieties, but I am proud at how much I have overcome. When I stumble, just dust myself off, shake off those bad feelings and move forward. And she's someone who acquired blindness a bit later in her life. Yeah, it was more recent. and. Mm-hmm. This is another, again, this is a, I think this is a really great quote to suggest how that, you know, we, it, sometimes it's good to be overly positive and say, oh, we can, you know, conquer so many things. But in reality, it is difficult and it is a challenge and it's, it's not healthy either to, to pretend that everything is, you know, going to be easy when it's always, not always, but it's also good to have a, that balance in the middle where you also try your best not to let it totally give up. Um, and then, you know, you probably, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose my vision. So I imagine for, you know, a period of time you would go through that but you do have to hopefully find a way to to get past that or else life is gonna it's gonna be difficult but I think one term she uh, she uses in this quote is vision loss and I think that's another 
thing we wanted to talk about is is the choice of words when we're, we're coming in uh, into blind pride and mm-hmm. and uh, how how people have feelings on that. And if the, if that's the words we're all using, anybody newly coming into it is going to struggle even more. We got to try and again, there's talk about how we don't want to be you know some false positivity, you know sugarcoat things and, 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 you know, someone who's always, you have to smile no matter how you're feeling. Like that's not what we want to do at all, but we have to have more pride in, in who we are so that people newly becoming disabled can, can feel that quicker and, and they're not, they don't have to go down the long path that some of us already have gone down. It's, it's the whole fact that of course, it's like anything, right? We're never going to tell somebody else how do I want to, how they want to identify themselves. If they want to say they have vision loss or mm-hmm. they're visually impaired or, low vision what, or blind, whatever they prefer, you know, of course we're, we're going to respect that. We're not going to ever tell somebody how they should identify themselves. But personally for me, and the fact also probably tying into it that I was born blind, you know, throughout my life I have said visually impaired and all these things I've heard others say it, but I do prefer now especially just saying blind because to me you're still tying vision into it so much. And especially when, when if you say vision loss, to me, there's something that... You're just, impaired or you've lost something. It just feels... Ne- something about it feels negative. And I know, it, you know, it's not that extreme and it's just a word, but still, it, it's not just a word in the sense that words do mean something. And I just still think that's that's not fully embracing what you are. And of course, some people that aren't totally blind, maybe they would want to say visually impaired to, sh- to show that they still have some vision. And that's that's totally cool, you know, whatever mm-hmm. somebody wants to wants to say. But for me personally, I just think the word blind needs to be said with more confidence and it does help to and of course we don't always feel happy or proud about it but at the same point it ties into the I think the sort of medical model and of how it needs to be fixed and of course we're not we're never we're never against research on cures but at the same point it's still this overall thing I think where it's like it's a problem it's instead of looking at it and it, of course it's hard to do when because you, you see disability as you don't have some ability that someone else has or you don't have this but it's more of a sense because you do have a, a lot of abilities still mm-hmm. so. yeah there's still plenty to compensate for that and and yeah um, I guess actually H recommended last week a book that I'm going to check out and hopefully review in, on a future episode about you know the history of cures and things but uh, but today again we are talking about Disability Pride Month and uh, Disability Pride uh, it marks a, bra- a break from traditional concept of disabilities as shameful conditions which were often hidden from public spaces and mainstream awareness and uh I guess you want to read another quote from somebody there? Yeah, we actually have another Joanne, <laughs> though this uh, Joanne goes by Joanna. This is Joanna Toner, actually, all the way from Ireland. And uh, Joanna says, when I first heard about disability pride, my initial response was to say, why on earth would I be proud? But the other side of the other side of that coin is shame. And why should I feel that? My disability has made me who I am. And as a group who faces a huge amount of unrecognized discrimination, we should indeed hold our heads up and be proud. So again, I think Joanna really illustrates the the, the binary there where it's this, it seems to be so, you know, if you go one way, then you're, then it's shame if you go the other way. But then if you go pride, it almost feels like you're, I don't know, it's hard, I think, to, feel proud because it is so ingrained in society that it is a challenge and it's something that we don't ideally want and of course nobody's sitting here like if you know if I was able to choose when I was born how I was born I wouldn't be like oh I'd love to be blind but 
it's uh disability is just part of the human condition and uh yeah i'm not sure here how much time we have left uh thanks for tuning in today to outlook oh we got 20 minutes we've been talking about disability pride i did just want to get to the flag here because it's acquired its own flag now uh so yeah what I my what I read about the flag because I'm newly learning about it too, and I, I used to be able to see colors and things which I can't see anymore. So like I have my moments right where when that that hits me and it hurts still that I can't see colors because I love them so much, and I can still kind of remember them, but I'll, I'll likely never see them again. And that's why the question of would you take some some sight back if you could is sort of complicated for me. Uh, something Brian never had is color, and he may have been curious at a time or two, but really no, you know. Yeah, for me it's more if. If something had been tested, you know, for years and years yeah, and yeah. a lot of people have done it, maybe I would, but it's definitely not something I really care about. It's not something I'm expecting in my life and it's not something I think I really, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've adjusted and I, it's it's not something I, I think about really that much. But I know for you, Carrie, it is a little bit, a little bit more difficult. So the disability pride flag is representing all disabilities. So here's what I found out about it. So it was it started out a few years ago as a muted black flag with a diagonal band from the top left to bottom right corner made up of five parallel stripes of red, gold, white, blue, and green. Uh, but then redesigned disability pride flag and the woman who designed it and then redesigned it with after after she received some feedback is Anne um, Miguel and so that was in 2020 2021 it was redesigned when she got feedback disability pride has a flag created by Anne as I said and uh, entered into the public domain and first in 2019 and then updated in 2021 um so the original flag featured a lightning bolt design and bright colors on a black, uh, you know, background. Uh, the flag was re- um, redesigned when um, with muted colors, as I said, after receiving feedback from those with disabilities who pointed out the the visual strain and the danger of light strobe impact on those with epilepsy. Uh, so, you know, there are certain things, certain videos that if you have epilepsy, it can actually activate a seizure. So, and I, I actually, different colors. I actually do have epilepsy due to the accident I had at the end of 2015. Luckily, right, it was acquired. It's been under control for a long time with, with meds. But the fact that I, that I can't see, I don't know if the lights would necessarily affect with, with me and yeah, my, my seizures in the past. So, but, but it's just interesting to think about how having the, the blindness on top of that, maybe that wouldn't be an issue. But yeah, you have to think about all these things. And Often there's multiple disabilities that someone's dealing with. But right. uh, the new flag comprises a number of um, elements, each symbolizing different aspects of the disability experience. So all six standard flag colors, uh, a disability spans, you know, borders between states and nations. And uh, the black field, uh, it, it represents mourning for victims of ableist violence and abuse, which does go on. You know, Brian and I haven't experienced stuff like that, and, and you're lucky if you if you don't. But uh, a lot of people have, and so we have to remember those experiences and. The diagonal band um, that cuts across the walls and barriers that separate the disabled from society. So red, the red stripe is physical disabilities, so that would include blindness. And uh, the gold stripe is neurodivergence, which is um, you know autism spectrum disorder and things. Neurological. 
Mm-hmm. The white stripe is invisible and undiagnosed disabilities, which Brian and I have a rare syndrome, and some of that stuff feels kind of like that. I have chronic pain. It's never been totally explained, similar to that, because that does, it, you know, it, it can affect your life, like disability often does. Um, Anxiety and another mental. Well, the blue. The or blue is that in its own? Category? Yeah, that that's his own ca- category. The blue stripe is um, psychiatric disabilities. Right. And then finally, the green stripe is sensory disabilities. So, you know, back when we were younger, we didn't really talk about a lot of this and considered a lot of this disability. And some people consider depression disability. Depends on how much it affects their li- life. And uh, so, you know, not everybody would. But you still do hear occasionally these stereotypes with that like some people are just like oh like everyone's I'm depressed too like I, mm-hmm. but it's like again like blindness there's a spectrum we all deal with I think some form of like nobody can be happy all the time and stuff but yeah. depression is a is a much is a much more serious degree of, of that and I think I think again all everything in life is on a spectrum and I think sometimes it's people want things sim- to be simple so they try to have a one in the side and another side but and it is confusing. Sometimes I wish I could take more sides, but I often am down the middle because I think so many things are, you know, in that gray area and balance is so important with all of the stuff, with pride too, because it is hard to always feel proud of, of these things that are seen in so many ways in, in the past and even today as negative things or things that need to be fixed. So you do, sometimes people think, you know, they're broken or something like that, but that's just awful. Like nobody's, we're all just human and we all have... Yeah, who wants to go through life feeling that way? Yeah, we all have these different experiences. And even if... And the other thing I notice, I think, and I think this is why a lot of people struggle with disability pride, and it's because we do want to just fit in. We don't want to stand out. And, you know, I talk about Canada, too, the way we're a little bit more reserved. It's, I know of a, I know of quite a few blind people out there that just, and it was like, you know, I'm, I was kind of the same way, I would say, in many ways until my 30s. And I totally get it. I still don't, I would never judge anyone because it's, it is hard and we all do want to kind of blend in, but. I think sometimes people just like, oh, I don't want to just, I just don't want to focus on it. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to live my life, get, find a job where nobody else, I, probably the majority of people aren't blind. And- well, I heard somebody recently also who gave their thoughts on being, living with their disability and they've, they've been lucky enough to find a, a good job in the corporate world. And, you know, the, the, it is quite a high rate of unemployment, especially specifically blindness. Uh, this, this person uh, just sort of said they like that they can fit in, even especially during the pandemic and over Zoom, that people don't even know they're blind. So it's, they said that it's funny what people will say when they don't think there's a blind person or somebody with disability in the room. Uh, but it's, I mean, maybe it's nice to hide hide away, like you said, and not be standing out and things, but it's also kind of a bit of a shame that people feel like they need yeah, that. Yeah, there's a reason why that people are do want that. But at the same point, again, I I bring it back to balance where yeah. I don't expect, yeah, we all do, we don't want to have every day where we're like, we're blind and we're proud. And mm-hmm. like, you want to just do your regular I things. I would walk and, around with the cowbell all the time, then I guess ringing it and announcing that. <laughs> right, or, yeah. yeah. No, I don't, I don't do that. So it's not quite that, but it's just, it's it's not trying to co- com- always hide from it or try to always just sort of avoid it coming up or talking about it or making any mention of it. Because then it just, it's like everything. If you don't talk about it, then it just falls into the background and it becomes an issue because nobody's comfortable with it. Well, they said discounting bl- uh, disability and pli- uh, disability pride and blindness pride specifically for us, that's, a, it is called, it's something called erasure, right? Like you're erasing the, re- the reality for people and uh, people, that's when people hide in the shadows and uh, I don't know, do you want to read another quote there? Yeah, I guess I have two left, so I'll read one. We have, we still have 10 minutes left, so I'm going to read yeah. this and then I think we should maybe move on to uh, a 
park visit that we had recently that yeah, talking ta- about pride yeah, yeah ties into all of this in, in its own way i would say so i'm gonna read a quote now by somebody by the name of kathy gish and Kathy says, to me, disability pride is also a time of collective celebration for our perseverance in the brutal face of disregard. Enforced poverty, inequity, discrimination, ignorance, and the many historical and current attempts to institutionalize and eradicate us under many variations of eugenics and eugenic-based policies. We are still here and we have value and are going to continue to move forward to increase our inclusion and access to society. And yes, I am extremely proud of us. Yeah, that's somebody that I just saw on Facebook. Uh, And uh, we appreciate everybody who contributed to these these different Yeah, anyone who put out a quote answer to your post or just, you know, you found it elsewhere on Facebook. Thanks to anyone who speaks up and has has a nice quote to, to illustrate these things and yeah, there's so many things like eugenics is another another whole uh, can of worms to to get into, but yeah, well, you know, this movement, you know, uh, what I read here on the peak.ca, it says the movement rejects the notion that there is something wrong with us and that we are less worthy of dignity dignity than non-disabled people. We should not be um, brushed aside when we reject shame put on us for simply existing. And, uh, you know, that's, it's really poignant stuff often because it's, it it hits, it gets right down to the heart of it. But speaking about blind pride, we recently had an, you know, a situation where we, we were at at this park with our family. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, it makes me think, it brings me back. Let's just, we talked about an outlook already when we went to the ROM in Toronto, how when our nieces and nephews now, they see Braille somewhere, they're automatically like, mm-hmm. Carrie, Brian, Uncle Uncle Brian, Auntie Carrie, there's Braille over here. And they, you know, take our hands and, and lead us over. So it is it is such an exciting thing to see Braille more and more in, in public spaces, in museums, in parks in this place, in this case. So yeah, Lake Lisgar Water Park is in Tilsonburg here in Ontario. And we were there a few weeks ago, we went to the beach, had some family down, it was a nice... Nice few days with uh, with the family here in the summer, and we went to Lake Liscar Park to uh, have some dinner after the beach. And after dinner, the kids were over on the play equipment, and they yelled out at one point, "Carrie, Brian, there's Braille." Um, so yeah, we went over there, Care, and uh, it was it was pretty neat. Um, um, you know, this is what we call novelty Braille. Right, so, we should point that out. Yeah. You know, it's a it's it's not exactly ideal if for people to understand what Braille really is and how it's actually useful but uh, it is a good thing to have you know more and more playgrounds these days are becoming very accessible for you know wheelchairs and, and for a bunch of and things and it's also it's also that. this example I thought was very inclusive because yeah I get your point about the what do you call it again novelty braille novelty braille I get your point there for sure that these were large spread out dots for each letter each braille dot but that's is, what you need for kids Right. I mean, it's it's enlarged, essentially, right? Because yeah. the, the tiny Braille cells that we read under our fingers, which that is standard Braille, and that's the point of Braille, so that it fits under your fingertip. You wouldn't want it bigger, else it's really slow and hard to read. It is, yeah. Um, and especially these dots. They were pretty tricky because they were also, I think, a little spaced out. They weren't right together, whereas in, in here, like the letter L is dots one, two, three, which is um, vertical, and it goes, you know, downwards there. So it's three dots right together, and a pretty pretty much a little line. So here they were a bit more spread out, but pretty much on one side was the whole Braille alphabet um, with the, you know, the print letters above each letter of Braille. And then on the other side, there was 
a braille message, but there was no translation on that. So it's com- all, could almost be like a fun activity, right? For for somebody to, to decode the message by using the alphabet on one side to to uh, crack the code. And I think it was, the code was something like, learning braille is fun or something like that. Yeah, that's an easy statement for a kid to, right. to manage. But it was just a nice little introduction for, you know, any any kid or even a parent, you never know, right? Some Or an adult, like just anyone might be walking by and see that and be like, oh, what is this? And then they might learn a little bit about Braille right there and then. So, But that's what's great. I, You know, I, I often say I wish every child had someone in their family, you know, like our nephews and nieces have us in that way because they've grown up with Braille. It's not that well it's it's new because they don't see it everywhere but at the same point they grow they've grown up with it always you know always being kind of around so it's always been yeah you do wonder how many how many kids and or just anyone walks past it and even takes notice or just like mm-hmm. what is that or if they just it might blend into the place right it's a bit different that that our nieces and nephews know us and know about braille so when they see it automatically they they you know jump up and and yell out and stuff but but this is where the pride comes from that feeling like something like braille is is you know admired for the cool yeah the fun, it's fun. that it's, uh, it is and uh, so to see it out there it, it makes you feel like you know the world's not trying to hide you away like you know past generations of people with disabilities often and were, I'd be I'd be interested to find out you know who had the idea to put that there how did it come but it's also like you know we talk so much about advocacy and how we're always you know, you have to kind of really push for things, but that's why it's always nice when something's done that you, you know, you don't expect and it's just there and you're like, oh, thanks. It's nice. Like, and, I didn't have to. And that's why, you know, there are like accessibility committees in, in municipal governments and on, you know, in, the, you know, local c- cities and they are the ones who have people on those, on those boards that recommend and suggest these ideas when you, when there's funds to update a playground. And somebody says, you know, hey, you should put Braille there and it can become a fun activity. Just like uh, they also had a, a panel right beside it with uh, like this abacus and some math stuff. So I was Ooh. like, oh, that's not my thing. I'm not a math <laughs> person. But but the Braille, yeah, that was cool. All about teaching lessons to to kids and learning. And it's just it's great to see. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so you've been listening to Outlook. We still have a, we have a few minutes left here. So I thought we could kind of end just with a bit of a casual sort of summary or if there's anything else you want to mention specifically I am going to finish off with one more quote here in a couple of minutes yeah I mean again we'd love to hear from anybody who's listening who has any thoughts on this uh, <laughs> Brian's going to turn away uh, it's hard to know how to how to voice it sometimes because again we can't say that we're always super proud yeah it's, it's a like conflicting anyone. It, it feels conflicted sometimes uh, but that's like anything and then, you know, things like the ADA come along or the Accessible Canada Act and, you know... The ACA. We have to, yeah, we have to learn um, as much about it as anyone else in a way because it's not what we had growing up. Yeah, as you can see, we're still we're still really learning this stuff as we go along with Outlook here. This is a lot of stuff that, like we always mention on the show, five years ago, we weren't really into this advocacy and weren't really connected with the blind community nearly as much and we kind of and it makes sense you got to get on with your life you got to do your own thing but you get to a certain age too in, in my case and I just feel like can't totally be silent anymore and I learned so much uh, about all this stuff over the past five years so and it comes into the community and not feeling isolated and alone on something 
uh, to a point, but there's a lot of organizations out there now, blindness organizations that we talk about, and often that's hard to live up to, and there's like hierarchies, and it's sad that that comes into it because, uh, you know, we all need role models to show us the way and the, to let, you know, to have a path that's forged for us. Uh, that's how you make progress and how you follow behind others. And that quote from Leona Godan earlier, you know, like I said, she's a, you know, generation Xer, I guess. And uh, so she grew up before the ADA. And uh, so she has a different perspective than somebody who's like more my, you know, even me. I was, you yeah, know, I mean, it's going to say like yeah, somebody we who's born into the new millennium more. We're from right. the 80s. So we're even exactly. a bit of sort of in between those generations. But, but yeah. if you're born even later, then yeah, it's a. Uh, it's even different, so it's just interesting how the perspectives are, and people born now, right? Like, what will it be like when they get into their teen years and or whatever? Like, it's- there's a woman I follow on Facebook who posts about her son who was born uh, with the same blindness eye condition we have a couple years ago, so he's about three now. And I, I just, I want better. I want the world to be in a better position for him when he's older than what I had when I was younger, right? So, you know, I don't have children, but. When I see children growing up now who um, are blind, I, I want more for them than than I had, and the things that I struggled with, I want to be less of a of a barrier for them. And so that's why I do this, not only for for children like like him, like Timothy. Uh, if you search up "happiness is blind," you can find his mother's blog. And we had her on the show as well in Outlook in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm doing this. Uh, it's it's for me and for, it's for my brother here and it's for even, you know, the children in my life who aren't blind just to grow up in a more tolerant world. Uh, but let's all just find a little more pride in who we are, you know, no matter what, what we are, how we choose to live, you know, how we were born, how we identify. Celebrate and, uh, diversity, celebrate differences. Yeah, because that makes the world interesting. Who would want to be the same? It's like Stepford world. Nobody wants that. Okay, so I'm going to finish here with a quote by Chris... Snyder saying, Happy Disability Pride Month. Like LGBT Pride Month, it's not about being proud of your disabilities or letting them define you. It's about the fact that we still do not have equal rights under law and we still have to overcome societal prejudice. As long as you can be low-key refused a job or fired because you're disabled, as long as it's legal to pay us less than able-bodied workers, as long as the FAA puts an undue burden on us to prove our assistance dogs are real thanks to able-bodied abuse of the regs regarding surface service animals, as long as people make up excuses not to rent or sell you a home, as long as your children can be taken from you, as long as marrying who you love will cost you in terms of your health care or other benefits, as long as things from buildings to technologies remain inaccessible, we need a disability pride month. And that's just one one person's perspective that we're ending with uh, on this disability pride month episode discussion. Thanks for listening to Outlook today. And uh, we'll be back hopefully with a new guest next week who makes uh, sort of accessible jewelry. Sounds good. We will catch everyone next week. Send us an email. Outlook on RadioWestern at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.